0: I asked you if you'd been to Utah before.
1: Have ever been to Utah? No, I've never been to the state of Utah, New Mexico, Washington, or Oregon.
0: To the great I- Northwest, Pacific Northwest.
1: <laughs> I want to go.
0: Best place on earth.
1: I want to go. So bad. I've been Fine, to California few times. I actually have times. a template
0: email that I send people when mm-hmm. they want to go to Seattle. Oh, I never been to Arizona either. So, <laughs> Man, you, you got to travel.
1: Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. So glad to have you here for week five of who is this Jesus? I got the number right, right? Week five? Yes, this be All five. right, so yep. once again, we had a video tag team, Drew, uh, out there in Israel, threw you the baton, and uh, why don't you give us your sermon in 60? Maybe because yeah. it was only half of the whole sermon, you want to give yeah, us in 30? I know 30. Last week you
0: had Nate give a yeah. sermon in 30. He, did it, he so, did it pretty fast. Yeah, Nate, or Drew, was on location at the temple in Jerusalem and talked about Jesus clearing the temple. And so the basic premise of my talk is that just as Jesus was serious and zealous about cleansing out the temple, we also should be serious about cleansing out our life or anything that is hindering us. And Drew asked a question in his video, uh, if Jesus can predict the future, can't we trust him with ours? And so the premise of my message was that if we trust God with our future, then we'll be willing to cleanse out our life and do whatever that takes. Um, And the reason why we can trust God with our future, why we can give him our life, is because he gave his life for us. And he made that illusion um, when he talked about him being the temple that would be torn down and then Mm -hmm. rebuilt. So there you go.
1: All right, about 45, pretty good. right in In between between there. There you go. (laughs) So a few things here. so many things flying through my head, um, but uh, I'll go with one of the standard questions. You know, there's the, what did you leave on the table? But I also want to, yeah, let me let me start with that. Simply because you had, what, 15 minutes, you know, for your mm-hmm. half of the sermon. So that's quite a bit of economy. Did you, Was there stuff you left out? Uh, what do you think you,
0: yeah, you would have to talked more about? Whenever I preach, you know, I try to pull out all the commentaries and try to understand the text mm-hmm. as good as I can. And so sometimes there's all these little tidbits about, I think one of the things that the... the passage really emphasized was that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in verse 17 in the passage, um, there's the statement where the disciples say they remember, I forget the exact phrase, Mm -hmm. but it talks about him being zealous and cleansing out the temple. And that's Mm -hmm. actually a quote from the Old Testament, uh, Psalm 69, 9, where it's an allusion to David doing a similar thing. And then David faces... Some suffering uh, on his part for his zealousness, mm-hmm. um, and in the same way, Jesus faces uh, the same suffering. And so that that verse in Psalm sixteen nine is a future like messianic foretelling of like here here here's who the messiah is going to be and so when john uses that uh, quote from psalm 69 9 when the disciples remember they're making that direct allusion saying jesus is the messiah and then later in the passage when you get to jesus talking about the temple being torn down and built up you know verse 22 then they're like oh wow this or verse 21 they they realized this really was um, G- Jesus was really talking about himself. So, wow. so that's one of the tidbits uh, that I <laughs> left out. Um, I think we're, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but there's a lot more I could have said about the temple um, yeah. usage and you know, mm-hmm. that, that well, language. Well, maybe we can squeeze in
1: week seven of who
0: is this Jesus you can- <laughs>
1: Yeah, clean all that up. But um, I do want to get on to talking about the temple. Before I do, I just want—I was talking to Nate about it too last week, and talking to you. You are also are on the sermon research team. Yes. You know, you yep. help with planning. You were on this journey as well. You were on the team a year ago. I actually, when, wasn't I was? Well, on you on the team, weren't at I that jumped time. In,
0: yeah, either that or I, a, like, okay. I was on vacation or something when we planned this. this okay, year. so yeah. that was conceived without you. Nate was there when it was conceived. Yeah. Drew was there when it was conceived.
1: You weren't. Tell me about you as a preacher, because I I think of two challenges. One is this isn't a 30, 35-minute sermon, it's a 15-minute, your contribution is yeah. 15 minutes long. So it's short. But not only is it short, you have to make it fit with what Drew presents You know, yeah. in the first half. So how was that for you? That's yeah.
0: different than your usual sermon experience. Yeah, I mean, every one of us on staff, we're, you know, we think differently. We've got a different style, different thought process, which is one of the blessings and, and the benefits of us, even on the sermon writing team. That's you, mm-hmm. me, Nate, Miller, mm-hmm. and Drew. We all have a very different different. different uh (laughs) thoughts so we Mm -hmm. i think that helps us to be more Mm well-rounded but it definitely means when we look at a text we are going to notice different things or think about different things Mm so um it's a little bit more difficult when you're i guess co-writing a sermon together and you're basing what you're going to say off of what the person before you says and i'm kind (laughs) of like okay this is the direction that drew went with it and i i didn't i I wasn't part of that original writing process too so i'm like okay I now understand what John chapter two is all about, and I want to be faithful in preaching the meaning of the text, um, but there's all different you know, pieces we can break out of that. So I kind of had to flow off the, the angle that, that uh, Drew took at and then try to make it fit. So
1: well, it fit. I yeah. thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought they complemented each other well, yep. and I loved your focus because, again, that is such a challenge when there is so many things, so many threads you can pull on, mm-hmm. lead so many places. But you know that that focus. So for me, there were some connections made that were new. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Let's go to. And the other thing that surprised me was I kept looking at those references and thinking, this can't be John 2, you know, because it's all this reflection on the meaning of his death Mm -hmm. and stuff. I think this has to be much later in the gospel, but it's not. It's John later writing this with this awareness of going, oh, stink, we totally missed it. Mm -hmm. Nah, uh, that's what he meant, you you know, sort of thing, which I thought was way cool. But back to... The temple. I mean, I think that yeah. was also part, part of that bucket of stuff left on the table. I think when you say yeah. temple, I suppose if we opened up a Bible dictionary, yeah. we'd have lots and lots to read. So from Genesis to Revelation, I mean, what, is it, what yeah. does the temple mean? It means different things, yeah. right? In so many different ways.
0: Let me, let me stop. I want to go back to what you were just talking about, and then we'll jump into the temple. Oh, okay, sure. You said, man, it seems like this should be later in John, like the, yeah. the temple thing. Well, what's interesting is there's different accounts of Jesus clearing the temple oh, yeah. in different gospels. John mm-hmm. has this at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, mm-hmm. yep. um, and so we don't see him arrested there. He's not uh, going to be killed. Mm-hmm. He definitely you know causes a scene, and people notice, but the mm-hmm. other gospels have this leading up to... The Passover right before Jesus is killed, and in some right. ways, uh, so what scholars would say is that Jesus actually did this more than once. Yeah, um, yeah. and so this first one you hear in John two is kind of pointing out he's he's the future Messiah, and the next right. ones uh, he uh, it takes a slightly different angle, but it's to the point where like, all right, we're ready to kill this guy. Yeah. Um, so, that's a little more information too. No, that's, that was text.
1: that was very helpful. And I think that's also a good example of there's two ways you can approach it because there are skeptical scholars that would say one of these accounts is wrong, mm-hmm. right? It either happened early in his ministry or it happened later in his ministry. Therefore, these gospels don't agree. Yeah. Here's a contradiction. But instead, you know, to say, "Wait a minute." Maybe there's something I don't understand, you know. Maybe there's something I'm missing, yeah. And it is a much more plausible explanation that he did it more Mm -hmm. than once. He did it at the beginning of his ministry, did the end of his ministry. And but as you're teasing it out, well, what significance does it have here? What significance does it have there? Is what's interesting
0: yesterday. I was mowing the lawn when I got home, and I like to listen to podcasts, so I listened to a podcast with Lydia McGrew. She's a Scholar, analytical philosopher, okay. um, but she um, has Sounds done a gripping. lot to, to defend <laughs> the trustworthiness of scripture. And she was okay. talking about those apparent discrepancies in scripture where mm-hmm. one person has a slightly different angle or they leave out some facts that someone else does. And mm-hmm. so there's like, oh, is this a contradiction or is mm-hmm. this actually support that they haven't colluded together to say the exact same thing? So we could share that in the show notes for this um, okay, that would be a great addition. Through, like, yeah, when, when there are differences or we see two different stories said a slightly different way in Scripture, should that make us trust Scripture more or question it?
1: Yeah, I didn't anticipate this at all when we were thinking about this podcast, but I think that's hugely helpful. It's just our, it's, it's so easy to be arrogant, you know, coming to the scriptures, you know, and if, if you assume there are mistakes, if you assume there are contra- contradictions, you'll find them. Mm-hmm. But if instead you say, you know what? I mean, this was written a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are cultural, historical things I yep. don't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. You know, let me assume there is... You know, until proven wrong, yeah. you know, let me assume there is coherence here, there yeah. is understanding, yeah. and go looking for that. And yeah. we found that yeah. nine times out of ten, we're rewarded. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's still some things that we're still trying to figure out.
0: If you got a questioning or skeptical mind like me, and you're you're wrestling with how can I really trust the scriptures, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a helpful discussion to have and a good mm-hmm. resource to check out to give you confidence that you can trust. The manuscripts that we have and that they're trustworthy.
1: Okay. All right. Good. We will definitely add that. Okay. In. Great. So back got a great... temple. Yeah.
0: Back to temple. Sorry. Now we're getting
1: to temple. So Genesis to Revelation, it's a big theme. Uh, talk. Let's talk more about the temple.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I I'm not an expert, you know, in that field of study, um, but mm-hmm. I I feel like I've heard some d- discussion in in many ways that like the whole storyline of Scripture is kind of this whole temple theme. Mm-hmm. That even if as you look at the Garden of Eden. The temple is where God's presence dwells. So in the mm-hmm. garden, Adam and Eve were walking with with God in mm-hmm. his very, very presence there. Then they were cast mm-hmm. out of the yeah. garden. But then at the end of the scriptures in Revelation chapter 21, chapter 22, you see the garden city, the new Eden, mm-hmm. um, where God is reunited with people and his presence dwells. In fact, my daughter's name is Eden. I still remember when we were in the hospital, my wife and I are horrible at like, deciding on our kids' names. We went into the hospital with three names Uh and three days after she was born we hadn't landed on a name yet. So I'm reading through scripture and I remember reading through Revelation and Genesis about Eden being restored and thinking like, man, I just was crying. I'm like, okay, Eden's it. We're going to call her Eden.
1: So was Eden on the list of three, or do they come later?
0: Uh, Eden, her name's Eden Aletheia. Okay. Her middle name. Aletheia is a Greek word for truth. For truth, sure. Yeah. Um, you can, you can <laughs> tell I like <laughs> we to. We all got uh, that. Just, uh, you know, I took Greek in seminary. So. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where her name came from. So anyways, going back to the, the temple language, we see kind of the idea of God's presence all the way throughout. Um, and then God gave instructions for his people, his chosen people, to once they left Egypt mm-hmm. uh, to build a place where he would dwell. It mm-hmm. was called the tabernacle. It's a tent. Mm-hmm. And so for years they were traveling and they had uh, this you know, tent that they were using. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until they really got settled in the promised land and mm-hmm. their third king. So there was Saul and there was David, David yep. wanted to build a temple for God, but God's like, you got too much blood on your hands. So he had his son Solomon build yep. a temple, and uh, so then God um, established the temple in um, Israel, and that that resided for about a thousand years. It was destroyed like like five eighty six or something like that, and mm-hmm. then it was rebuilt. There's mm-hmm. in the passage that we read about in John two the people said, you're going to destroy this temple and like, and rebuild it in three days? It took us 46 years to build that temple. And there's some question there about uh, the first time it was destroyed, it, it had to be rebuilt. So was that the 46 years that it took to be rebuilt? Yeah. Or actually in Jesus' day, uh, Herod, who uh, was like a Jewish leader, but also in uh, with Rome, Mm-hmm. He spent some time not rebuilding the temple but refurbishing it, and I think that took about 46 years. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that illusion was. So, anyways, yeah. it the temple, um, so there was a physical place, yeah.
1: geographic location for yeah. the presence yeah. of God,
0: and so that resided in Jerusalem for mm-hmm. like 1500 years. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus came, he predicted. The destruction of the temple. And what's interesting is there's probably like some allusions in here to one, his body, which we see in verse 21 and 22, but not mm-hmm. just that, but even to the actual temple being destroyed. Mm. And Jesus died somewhere around 30, 33 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, but 35 years later, 37 years later, the temple would actually be destroyed right. in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Not one stone will be left on on the next. Right. You know, all you have today, if you go to Jerusalem, is like a wall. They yeah. call it the Wailing Wall. That's right. left over there. But that was, you know, Jesus saying, like, my presence is no longer located in just this one building. Uh-huh. I am the presence of God.
1: But one last note about the geography yeah. before we talk more okay. about yeah. later significance. But um, so, yes, they approached the Wailing Wall because. Um, the where the temple you know <laughs> over that wall mm-hmm. is the muslim holy place oh, yeah. the dome of the rock now if you guys look go back and look at drew's video again i was impressed because they had shots of drew in front of if you've seen him in so many of these shots there is this golden dome mm-hmm. right and uh that's not you know a, a jewish temple yeah. that is when you know, Islam came through Jerusalem, they built a mosque, yeah. the Dome yeah. of the Rock, over their holy place. Yeah. So for centuries now, it's been a holy place for yeah. Christians, for Jews, and for Muslims, a sense of a place of a lot of contention, tension. We were there yeah. nine years ago, and Nate Bantle yeah. and um, Dave Whiting and I, we tried to get in there with our equipment, and, and they, they, they were going through Dude, our bags I, and they I said... Was,
0: I was on top of the Temple Mount and I was doing like a Facebook live stream yeah. on my phone of it. Uh-huh. And Did these someone guys approach came you? after me, they're like, give me your phone, give me your phone. And I was like separated from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm like trying to delete this thing. And uh-huh. then they're like, let me see what's on your phone. Yes. And finally, like the guide saw us and like kind of brought us in the group. And I'm like, I mean, you don't want to mess around there. They're not There's a lot of tension in Jerusalem. You know, we're in a is actually uh, the possession of of the Jews, mm-hmm. um, um, but they are giving permission for. To, to keep the tensions down for mm-hmm. uh, Muslims to have that be their holy it's place. It's definitely so, Muslims
1: that police and protect yeah. that on top. The day the day we were supposed to go to the Temple Mount, I got sick. Karen went without me. I, yeah. I never made it. I never made it. It was two attempts, never made it to the Temple Mount. Hopefully next year I will. We're going back to Israel. Yeah. But, um, but it was so tense for them. So again, that's why I marveled that... They they carried off those shots. They were, there was Drew on the Temple Mount you know, with the background mm-hmm. and stuff. I just. Yeah. Wondered, you know, how, how scary get, that was, but he got the shot. Away, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the transition from the temple being a physical place for the presence of mm-hmm. God. But then there's further meanings for the temple with both Jesus's body, mm-hmm. you mentioned. And then later, Paul starts to describe our bodies, right, mm-hmm. as the temples of yeah. the Holy Spirit. And as different as those things are, you know... Moving place, permanent place, Jesus' body, Mm -hmm. our body, in every single case, we're talking about the presence of God. So it seems like the end of the story, you know, the goal is that we, there's a way made that we can have the presence of God. And the only way that happens is we get sin cleared out of the
0: way. It's interesting, you know, uh, scriptures talk about. Jesus, you know, Emmanuel is going to come. Emmanuel mm-hmm. means God with us. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus gave his great commandment, uh, great commission to his disciples, he said, "Lo, I'm with you always." You know, and mm-hmm. and very much right after that, then he sent the Holy Spirit, which you see in Acts two, the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. That you know, he in John chapter uh, fourteen through sixteen, as Jesus is getting ready to to go to the cross and die, and he says, "Like, don't be troubled." You know. Um, when I go, like something much better is going to come. Mm-hmm. And so what was interesting when Jesus was on earth, he was with his disciples, his presence was with them. But when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit who could come and be kind of everywhere present mm-hmm. inside of us where Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a God and man, he was like a physical human being. So, right. In some sense, he was just located with the people he was with. Yeah, yeah. And the presence of God has
1: always been a holy place. You know, Mm -hmm. no sin allowed. And to get to the place on the other side of the cross that Mm -hmm. Jesus made a way that God's presence could actually be in Mm -hmm. us, sinful people, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, we get to, you know, participate in the presence of God. All right, that was... I love that deep theological discussion. <laughs> uh, I do want to get to the practical side yeah, because your yeah. your message was kind of heavy. Honestly, yeah.
0: I mean, you did. Jesus' conne- actions were pretty heavy.
1: Yeah. yeah, you connected it to communion. Um, it was it was the loudest I've heard you on stage.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was laughing as you were describing flipping tables at the public market. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it's it's that zeal to cleanse the temple. I've always seen that. But I love the connection you made, and I think that te- and the text does it. You know, it's really a zeal to cleanse sin and to cleanse it out of mm-hmm. our lives as well. And you came in with some heavy, mm-hmm. I thought challenging. I mean, yeah. this was uh, this wasn't a feel good, warm, yeah. inspirational Christmas yeah. Eve kind of service. This was yeah. what are you doing to deal with? Yeah. To talk about your applications and yeah, I how feel we like might I be wanted able to, it do to them. come
0: across heavy, but also like Jesus says, my you know, burden is light. You know, come yeah. to me, all you who are weary mm-hmm. and heavy laden. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's hard things, but we, yeah, but he, he wants so much for us. He has a future prepared for us, and we have so much hope that he has provided cleansing by giving his us his life, so we can give it to him and trust him.
1: Yeah, and I think we could probably talk more about like preaching and that, but I think humor has a way of slipping past our defenses. Mm -hmm. And I think about the same with Jesus telling stories that kind of Mm -hmm. slip past defenses where people start getting caught up in the story before they realize the story is about them, you know? So, but you talked about, what was it, three steps now for Mm -hmm. for application. Do you remember what they were? (laughs) Examine your
0: life, ask someone else to examine your life and then do whatever it takes to cleanse sin out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, tough stuff. Let's go to the second one Mm -hmm. there. I mean
1: how did what does that even look like where do you find people to get in your business yeah. like that where wh- yeah, that's
0: that's a really hard thing you know it's one of the things that we've wrestled with as a church is like where does confession of sin happen in the body of Christ i mean that should happen we see mm-hmm. that in scripture but we all know that man sharing your struggles sharing your baggage is really tough um And so ideally, like that would happen with people in our community group. But Mm -hmm. it takes time to build a relationship with someone that you can Mm -hmm. trust that much. In fact, we've talked about in the past, we want to have healthy expectations about what the relationships we might experience in our group and Mm -hmm. that where you might experience intimate relationships with people in your group. I think sociologists would say it takes um, about like, 200 hours to grow a very intimate close relationship mm-hmm. with someone and so to think like i'm going to hang out with people in my group you know two hours a week over mm-hmm. a year it's going to be i don't know how many hours 50 hours mm-hmm. um if you don't do anything outside a group like it's going to take days you know or years probably to get to a point a place where you're like i feel like i can really mm-hmm. uh, bear my soul to people right. um in fact i think the sociologists say we only have like Emotional capacity or relational capacity for two or three intimate relationships in our life where we really feel like, okay, I can share with you. Right. All the things I'm wrestling with.
1: Yeah, and I think a couple of things about that. You know, because you think about modern American mm-hmm. society, and we've seen the numbers mm-hmm. where there's so many people who don't even have one mm-hmm. person on that list. You know, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd say men struggle with it more than women on average. I mean, we both struggle. You know, women, mm-hmm. the whole all yeah. all of us all of us struggle. But I know that my wife, you know she's just one data point, but she's, she's far more intentional with relationships Mm -hmm. and she, she maintains them over time in a way better than me. And I think I know other guys who also just are a little challenged, you know, to, you know, to be intentional and to be that close. But, you know, it's, it's, going to be three to five at most i think of those you know close close friends but even to have one or two so that we're always encouraging people go to community group but community groups can be bigger than that three or five and they're not all going to be your best sometimes
0: you might find one really good friendship out of a group Mm -hmm. um there's might be seasons where you're like i just i don't really connect with these people that much Mm -hmm. um but hopefully, after you're in group for a while, you 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 do jive with a few people, and you can yeah. start hanging out. And as you hang out, as you share life together, mm-hmm. and uh, to be honest, like the more you're honest with each other, that accelerates your intimacy and and comfort of saying, okay, I'm not alone. You struggle too. I struggle with the same thing. Yeah, and I think you're probably going to
1: find it's people in the same stage of life is very mm-hmm. common. I know, you know, you're probably connecting with other you know, others who also mm-hmm. are parents with kids yeah. about the same yeah. age. Karen and I are empty nesters and are, you know, right now the people. Mm-hmm. We have a, another couple in group that we spend a lot of time with out of group. Both yeah. empty nesters, both in the same stage of life. But um yes, community groups, you know, very few people are going to be, you know, in the discussion, open up to 12 people yeah. in a room.
0: Definitely not in a room. And even in a prayer time, if you got five guys, five women, like mm-hmm. that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, on those nights when it's just like no one showed up but one other person, like mm-hmm. maybe something that you, and if you start to jive, mm-hmm. um, but oftentimes those conversations are going to even happen outside of the group meeting. Mm-hmm. They might be like, hey, I'm, I just need to meet up with you and talk. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, great challenge, hard challenge, but we're praying for all of you, um, for that kind of biblical community, those kinds of friendships to happen. Jesus has that zeal to cleanse a sin out of our life because. He has something so much better for us, and uh, and we need each other, you know, for that. So, great encouragement, great challenge. Thank you for being with us. That's five weeks down. One more trip to Israel, and Drew will be back for that for week six of Who Is This Jesus?